Hi everyone, uh, I'm Matt and I'm Brandy and on this episode of the Chronic Couple podcast we have our good friend Thomas also known as Aspergrowth also known as the Thoughty Audi podcast host. How are you doing today Thomas? I'm doing okay just um, you know sitting sitting in my house for extended periods of time <laughs> with all the COVID <laughs> stuff you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Do you think for you it was a big shock, like the isolation, or was it something that you were kind of doing before anyway? Um, I think like it's uh, it's it's a little bit weird because it's it's more of like an enforced thing now, mm -hmm. and I do I had quite a good routine before isolation. It's like uh, I described to one of my friends. It's like I feel like most people when isolation came about um they just took off all the things that they can't do and just left that the other stuff as their routine um but for me i had to like wipe the slate cre clean and um start again so it's been quite a long time sort of not really knowing where i am <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah and too i think you said it there's a difference between choosing to be at home all the time and then forcibly having to be at home all the time it almost like takes takes the fun out of it yeah definitely i'm kind of curious about when you say wipe the slate clean on your routine like what are some of the routine things that you found have helped you now that you've like you said wiped the slate clean and changed all your routines i think the ma the major factor in in that is my girlfriend not gonna lie She's got she's got her stuff together. She's you know like still going to work and stuff. So we we sort of uh, we have been uh, like living living together and stuff. So we sort of like sync our routines up together. So that's been a big source of routine for me. But I suppose like the only real way that I can get myself out of bed in the morning is to have everything laid out in advance from like the prior night. So you know just it's a bit unhealthy, but have an energy drink right by my bed, you know, just have all my clothes that I'm going to wear laid out on the floor, all messy like. It helps me get out of bed. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Something about staying up late. I mean, both of us will stay up until four or five in the morning some days. And yeah, it's just, it, it does not help anyone's routine. Just to get in a little bit more on what we really came here to talk about. Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background and what's going on with you currently. My name is Thomas Henley and I am the founder of the Asperger's Growth Channel, uh, which is a YouTube channel where I talk about autism and mental health. It's been going for about three years as of now. Um, it's got about just over 2,000 subscribers, which I'm quite pleased about. And I also, yeah, I rightly, I do the uh, 40 Auti podcast myself and that's been going on for about four or five months probably getting the time scale completely wrong there but mm -hmm. it's doing pretty well and uh recently i suppose i should tell you a little bit more about my background i guess mm -hmm. i have asperger's if that wasn't um already known and i am a commonwealth gold medalist in Taekwondo awesome. uh, for the heavyweight division oh. and I'm a biomedical sciences 
uh, graduate, honours graduate from the University of Manchester. Very cool. There you go. Tell us a little bit more about being diagnosed with Asperger's so young in life. Like, it was 10? Yeah, 10 years old. Um, I, I, I do remember it quite vividly, and it is something that I, I talk about a lot. I remember my... Oh, so I went and did all of like the autism kind of assessments and stuff. I think it was like ASOS or something like that. Sort of rings a bell in my mind. But yeah, I went for these assessments when I was 10 years old. And at the time, I think in general, I was I was doing pretty well in life in terms of like friends and mental health wise and, and all that. But there were some aspects to uh, sort of like the group dynamics and and interacting with people at school that I just felt were a little bit mm-hmm. off or I just didn't understand, didn't really get my emotions down very well. Um, a lot of stuff I was just sort of like in open water in. After the And after this assessment, they, my mum took me to a McDonald's, got me a happy meal, mm-hmm. as you do. So yeah, she, she sort of like sat me down um, and told me that I was autistic, autistic. And obviously I didn't, I had no idea what that word meant. Um, she said that it was called Asperger's syndrome and she just kind of laid out the sort of general traits that um, autistic people have. We had a little bit of back and forth conversation about, you know, me asking about certain things and me just going, oh, that's why. <sighs> Uh, even even at the age of 10, I was getting relief knowing that mm-hmm. <laughs> all these differences that I was spotting weren't just me being crazy. That's awesome. But yeah. <laughs> That's really great that your your mom sat you down like that and really explained it, it to is, you. Because I've, I've heard of situations where the parents would not tell the child, and I, I really just don't agree with that. I think that, yeah, it's important because us both being autistic and not knowing until we were almost 40, I mean, it, it was detrimental to us and um it's crazy so yeah if 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 a parent of mine had known and and kept that from me i wouldn't be very happy about it so that's really cool that your mom sat you down and and told you those things Mm -hmm. i think that there was sort of a as she told me like sort of in my adulthood that there was there was a long time before like she actually taught me to get an autism diagnosis she started to really notice traits of autism when I was a bit younger but she never really wanted to go and get me diagnosed because she didn't know how it would affect me mm-hmm. and my life and you know my ability to get a job and all, all of that kind of stuff and but yeah she, she did eventually go go to get me di- diagnosed and stuff and I think that's one of the the only points in my life where I cried tears of joy which is is quite a a touching touching memory for me yeah. and it's actually one of the only memories that i remember from that time so yeah. it's got to be got to have some waiting i suppose yeah exactly yeah. and it's, it's not what a lot of people would think people sometimes assume oh you cry tears of sadness but that's not that's not the case it's like for for yeah. us i'm dead i'm dead my life's over <laughs> right no <laughs> exactly i'm an emotionless <laughs> shell yeah no <laughs> not what people think it's like we were we were afraid that they were going to tell us we weren't autistic and um when we found out it was like a relief yeah 
And did you have to like pay oh, for yeah. oh. your assessments? Oh yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> and then we had to. It was wow. very difficult to find a person that would even work with an adult. Um, they just kept saying, "We don't, Why? we don't do adults. We don't work with adults." Yeah. Even the I don't know about the testing there in the UK, but for us, the testing was all geared towards children. Yeah, we were doing building blocks mm. and flashcards with like a family. Like, what is the emotion on his face? And I'm just like, this is for children. Mm-hmm. You know, she just, they, yeah, they just didn't have one geared toward adults. We just got the same one that a 10 year old would get. So mm-hmm. it, it was, <laughs> and then we, yeah, then we paid for it. So. <laughs> I, can, I, I can't remember the actual tests. I can remember like some memories of talking to like the therapist, but like I, I, I did this research, uh, I, I took part in this uh, research project on sort of like autism and, and social exclusion um, at my university. And they had to do like a sort of a short ASOS assessment on me. And I was just sat with this other, this other dude, like around about my age, while he sort of looked at me. <laughs> like, like, he got me to like explain the story of this, like these toads that flew out the window or something and um, I had to describe what the story was was about and I, I described it very poorly because I, I was assuming that there was a much greater large um, larger amount of detail to it than what's presented but no apparently not I was I was definitely autistic af if I can uh can say that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's like it, for us it was almost like this hindsight 2020 experience where we had all of these behaviors that we had no idea why we did that and then as soon as we found out it was like just these like months of, of random memories flooding in like that's why i did that oh like mm-hmm. and, and almost like this feeling at first of like disbelief like but did they get it wrong am i really autistic and you doubt it's like you go through like all the stages of like mourning yeah. and stuff don't yeah. you yeah it's like you're like angry it's like why didn't i know and then oh god i feel i feel so sad like i must have done these wrong things but you know what actually screw them yeah. like i'm different and they should have you know it was their fault as well as and then eventually like you know what everything's up in the yeah. air yep <laughs> like exactly nobody's to blame <laughs> to some extent i suppose right depending on a few cases. And I think now too, it's it's amazing because so many of us can show other people that autism is a spectrum. It's not what you think it is. It's not this, you know, static, just shallow definition of the word. It is so much more than that. You actually have a leadership award from your university. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So as part of the biomedical science uh, course, it's the reason why I took it is because it's like a, it's basically the broadest area of science to do with humans. So it means that you can sort of like pick and choose modules. And I basically got to choose every single one of my modules apart from like a dissertation module that everyone has to do. And um, one of the ones that I decided to take uh, was the Manchester Leadership Program. And it is a standalone module um, so you, you basically just have to talk and discuss about various details or opinions or topics, write a little bit about 
how you would go about solving a certain issue and why reference it and all that and at the end you get obviously a mark for the module but then they also have this added on thing that you can do which is basically doing charity work as well and I decided to to do that and so I I went to a club that I know quite well um, it's one of the, the clubs uh, the Taekwondo clubs that is under the the name that I sort of fought under. It's in a different place. It's up in Manchester. It's called uh, Horizon LGA um, up in Rochdale. And it, I basically, I, I just went there and I, I did coaching for free, basically. And I went to a couple of competitions, um, helped um, some of the kids who are on the spectrum uh, do like the first competitions to kind of support them in the warm-ups and all of that kind of stuff That's and cool. I did about 70 plus hours of work all in all so they they gave me the gold Manchester leadership award That's, That's awesome that. so cool That's really cool Did you feel like that leadership courses and doing that much that many hours of coaching like you did do you feel like that helped you with just interacting doing like your podcast and your in your YouTube channel, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it it's sort of I, I go about life sort of doing doing things that I want to do, but I always sort of try to mold it around my sort of like life mission, I suppose. And for example, you know, with, with I could have gone and I could have you know helped out planting trees for like eco groups and stuff, but I decided that. One one of my coaches recommended it actually, and said that the there are some autistic uh, kids or adolescents in the club that um, could do with the support. Um, and so I, I sort of went with that just because it's it, it'll give it gave me a little bit more of an appreciation of autism in in different environments. Cause it's like now now I mean not now because the isolation, but um, most of the time I. I spend most of my time at schools, either mainstream or special needs schools as a teaching assistant. And I could have done, because this is sort of like a stepping stone for me, so I could have done something like a, a waiting job or something mm -hmm. like that, if I had good coordination, of course. And, but I decided to go with the more the autism aspect so I can get a better appreciation of autism in those environments as well. So I guess, yeah, it's just about molding it yeah. to what I'm interested in, exactly. I guess. And as a person who did have a waiting job when they were in college, yeah, I would highly suggest not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst waitress ever. <laughs> so bad. I was so clumsy. I would drop everything and yeah, it was bad. But at the same time, I was friendly and that made up for my lack of entertaining. Yes, so I was entertaining. So I still made good tips. <laughs> I just wasn't very good at what I did. It was because... People liked me, so <laughs> yeah. It's bad. This goes anything. Exactly. Isn't it? <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about your Taekwondo championship and what all that involved. So, I think like some of the the sort of like major competitions that I went to was the British National Championships, wow. which I got a gold medal when I was a bit younger in the junior category, and a gold medal in the senior category um, when I was a bit older. And then I guess a, a step up from that, you know, because of 
um, my, my standing in like the ranking tables in the UK. Um, I got invited to two quite quite big competitions. Uh, one being the under twenty one European Championships, and when I when I when I go to these like competitions, I'm not really known for sort of being being any sort of like prodigy or anything, but in, in like the local arena, I'm I'm a lot better when it comes to like fighting abroad and and big competitions, mm-hmm. and so the people who I would say personally were a lot better of athletes than myself um, didn't get as far into that competition wow. as me I wow. guess and I went in about I won about three matches and then the match after that I lost to the eventual gold medalist of that competition which is a bit it was a bit sucky but at least like a loss to the winner yes. um, so it meant that I, I could have got a medal um, but that was that was sort of like the first comp- big competition that I I went to. Um, do you still? And then I guess. Do you still practice now sorry, too? Or? Yeah, um, I, I practice now and again. I I like to keep my flexibility up because it's it's very much a sport that you need to have very bendy, explosive legs. So I still try to do a little bit to maintain it, just in mm-hmm. case I want to go back into it. But I, I injured my leg um, on a bike in Thailand like an idiot. Oh. And so now I'm boxing. <laughs> Just upper um, bar. Upper bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Do you feel yeah. like um, being autistic helped you further in you know your passions with Taekwondo? Oh, well, in some aspects, mm-hmm. yes. But in others, no. Like, for example, if one one of the one of the problems that I had was that I usually have is um, authority figures, or you know, people in in charge of decisions or people in power that don't understand what autism is or just have a very sort of myopic kind of broad idea of what autism mm-hmm. is. And there was this this quite decorated athlete who was um, supervising the the um, training sessions. Uh, leading up to the Commonwealth Games that I uh, got a gold medal in, and there there was a lot of difficulties because I pretty much always had a meltdown before training sessions like that, and you know in my in my sort of younger days I had meltdowns before pretty much every training session, crippling anxiety, you know all the digestive problems that go along oh, with that. Um, Same. Yeah. It was it was really tough and there were I, I remember one time because I the, the one thing that I, I pride myself on in my sport was not that because I, I, I didn't think that I was naturally very gifted it was just that I worked my butt off all the time and I put 100% in and I remember this this you know like manager this authority figure and took my coach to one side and said that hey look Tom like that look like Tom isn't putting the effort in is is slacking is is not you know motivated to do this is you know he needs to kind of step up and that was like the the worst thing that I could ever hear from anyone because that was like the only thing that I was riding on and it was coming from someone who is extremely successful in the sport 
and it really you know sort of knocked me on the mm-hmm. head and there've been loads of times like that where you know people have just like overlooked me or, or thought something that wasn't true that's um, so sad dude i'm i'm sorry you had to go through that cuz i'm sure for for yourself you were doing your very best and it, people like that don't see those meltdowns that you have when you leave the dojo or mm. or any of that so it's really hard to see criticism like that when you genuinely didn't even mean to be a mm. burden so really sorry that happened to you that's that's awful definitely yeah. it's 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 also you know it makes it even worse considering like the the state of mental health that i was in at that age you know i was, I was quite severely depressed and anxious and lacking in any sort of self-confidence so it's exactly it was a big sort of knock to me i sort of it took me a while to move past oh, that i completely relate to that but then the upside the upside the happy side to the mm-hmm. story is that i went there and everyone else got knocked out or not 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 literally <laughs> knocked out i mean maybe a couple <laughs> um but they all lost and didn't go very far in the competition whereas me you know as I was starting to win fights, all the coaches were like trying to come, you know, come up to me and and be all considerate and nice and oh, you okay, Tom? Have you got everything you need? And like, yep, yeah, thanks. I was all right in the first round. I don't need your help now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't say that obviously, but but. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like uh, once you got going on those matches, like your her focus on the structure of the matches helped you to execute and do better than? It's um, I there is there's always a difficulty with any sort of sport because of the crowd, and the thing is with taekwondo venues is that they're very often in large halls with massive floodlights and lots of different beeps and noises and shouts going on all across the venue, so it's a very sensory stimulating mm-hmm. place and not oh, in a good way, and. It's yeah, it's 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 difficult for me because I quite like to sort of support and you know help my teammates, but in order for me to like perform, I just need to take myself out of it for you know like half the time that I'm there, or else I'll just get so you know pent up with stress that I I can't perform right. as well. I completely relate to that. It's almost like sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as as a professional singer, I would feel like um, it's hard to explain. If someone would be complaining about having a hard day or um, this is hard for me or I had a bad night, I, w- I wouldn't say this out loud, but I would almost think like, I'm doing the same thing you're doing with all of these things stacked against me and I'm still doing them. So mm-hmm. I can't really imagine mm-hmm. what I would be doing if I didn't have those things at all. You know? Definitely. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with that. So. It's it's tough. It is tough. It's tough being autistic in any sort of environment where there right. are people around <laughs> yeah. or noises or pretty much everything around, not gonna lie. Um <laughs> So I I I don't know. I just I just think that for for me it made those achievements mm-hmm. bigger for me. It had a lot more of a positive impact on my self-esteem and my confidence yeah. uh, because exactly. of that it doesn't make it easier in those environments it just sort of reassures me that i've done it before you know i've done it like 
70 80 100 times i'm i'm fine i can i can compete i can deal with all the stress and that's really important yes I think. definitely i almost came back when i looked at my accomplishments after realizing i was autistic it gave me like a sense of pride like what i did that and that was really really tough for me and now i know why it was so tough for me and i still did it so i'm a badass <laughs> it gave me the sense of accomplishment Absolutely. You, you mentioned this ear earlier about your, you injured your leg in Thailand. Can you tell us a little bit more about the year abroad in Thailand and your backpacking? So as part, so in my, in my second year at uni, um, it was probably one of the, the lowest points in my sort of adult life. Uh, I, I mean, to be honest, every, every year up and up until that point was difficult, but um, in particular, the second year, you know, I had a bad breakup with my girlfriends. Um, I was pretty much left alone. I didn't really have many friends, and the friends that I did have didn't really want to support me in in that to that to that degree. And so it left me, um, you know, in a very vulnerable place. And I, I just, I basically just felt like I wanted to escape from the country. <laughs> Go as far away as possible. Oh man! And it just I yeah. Like that before. <laughs> and it just so happened that I I did this. The the course that I did was biomedical sciences with industrial experience. So it meant that um, it's basically like a sandwich year. So I do a, a year uh, before my final year, and go somewhere. Most people go within Britain. Most a lot of people go in Manchester. To do work experience i decided which is you know pr pretty much one of the only things that i've ever done impulsively to sign up to go wow. to thailand and research mosquitoes <laughs> seriously <amazing>. mosquitoes <laughs> that's awesome i hate mosquitoes yeah. those little <laughs> oh, yeah. i'm allergic to them so. <laughs> did you have to like get yourself stung with yeah. them or what would you do uh, I definitely got like some kind of hemorrhagic fever. Oh no! Dengue or yellow fever or Zika or something like that. Definitely got something like oh. that from them. <laughs> what what the people in my lab would do? They just gave no f's at all. Like when they would finish, like um, going through the life cycles of the mosquitoes and and sort of analyzing them, they just let them out of the cage into the lab, and that meant that. I was, you know, I covered myself up as much as possible as you can in, you know, like 38 degree heat <laughs> Celsius. And there was this little section between my trousers and my socks. And without fail, every time I went into that lab, it was just oh, covered in bumps. No. That's awesome. <laughs> This I mean, dedication to your work. <laughs> I, I was joking about the sting thing, know, by the way. I was not thinking you seriously. No, like, no. oh man, yeah, that's <laughs> awful. Ugh. They had they had these little like electric zappers, you know, like mm -hmm. fly zappers that you can get, like tennis rackets. And I, I just go around in the morning before I started work, just seeing how many how many of them I could kill. <laughs> and if I didn't have if I didn't have any any tennis rackets near me, I'd um. I perfected the art of uh, squishing mosquitoes with my hands. Um, you, you just look like you're clapping to an audience that wasn't there. Yeah, it was one-handed, just like grabbing them out of the air. Oh, yeah. nice! It's oh. quite, it's quite satisfying. It's like Karate Kid style. Yeah. 
Um, could you uh, tell us a little bit about um, you, you? I found out you're writing a book, and I'm very curious about it. So, can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Um, so, I, I've, I've always quite liked writing. Like, I remember the, there's there's a class that I did um, back in secondary school or, or high school, um, and I had this this amazing teacher. Um, I think she was called like Mrs. Brown or something like that, and she was she was lovely. She looked like your typical librarian, like curly hair, um, you know, the glasses, the lot. She looked like she went to the library, and she was one of the only <laughs> nice. teachers that fully embraced the needs that I had. So she would let me go out of lessons if I needed to. Um, she wouldn't, you know, harshly punish me at all if I if I turned up late and I was in panic from all the noises and people at school she was a really lovely lady and that and that sort of um was the start of my creative writing and i really enjoyed it and take taking it a bit further i went you know i did like a philosophy module for gcses and um, i got to write a lot about uh, philosophy and stuff which i really liked so that's that sort of you know set me up for um you know, like book writing and creative writing, did a little bit of poetry, probably not something that I would ever feel comfortable with sharing with uh, the masses, but uh, <laughs> it's very dark, like <laughs> dark stuff. Hey, po poetry at all, like, I, I, I have problems with whole sentences, dude, so, I mean... It's actually, yeah. writing and poetry is one of my specialties, so yeah. I'm like, nice. yeah. Yeah. Have you got one on, on hand? <laughs> Somewhere, but you know what? Same with you. It's like um, I do it and then I have books and books full of it, but then I don't feel comfortable sharing it. It's like, mm. yeah. I mean, I did in school, I did win a few competitions in school, but like it was... Uh, Ooh, yeah. nice. <laughs> it was, but I've got that dark stuff too now. <laughs> I've got I've got quite a few of those. During my teen years, that, that book of poetry mm. is somewhere hidden because... Mm. Rich someone found that they would be like oh my god yeah. <laughs> but it helps it's, it's great it's like um mm -hmm. i know that it's... i've noticed a lot of autistic people as well we have this gift with language and writing and sentence structure yeah. we have an ability to make words sound really beautiful so i think that's really cool yeah definitely i think there is there's definitely like an aspect of i don't know i don't know why it would be maybe it's just because we, we find it hard to express our emotions through body language and, and all those kind of non-verbal signals mm -hmm. so we make up for it by expanding our vocabulary and thinking of different ways of, of expressing how we feel yeah. through just words maybe that maybe that's yeah. like a new like idea it's true. that's know. a good point yeah it's safe plagiarized it. we have more time to think about it we can you know write it mm. in our own time we don't have someone staring us right in the eye waiting for a response like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? it's like but what is what is your book about can you tell us a little bit more about that or or is it a secret yeah so no it's um i'm i'm finding it really hard to think of a, a way to describe it because without giving away the the sort of twists and the plots and, and all of that. Right. Uh, but it's, it's basically about this 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 guy called Rayland who's in his sort of early 20s and he is not living the happiest of lives. There is, there, 
it's it's kind of written from the angle of myself. So I use I've used a lot of um, experiences and environments from my own life and people from my friends' lives that have you know said that I could include them. And it's it's basically like it's a very sort of thinking book. So it's it's a lot about exploring the ways that Raylan thinks about things and his opinions and his reactions to people. But yeah, he he goes through a lot of a lot of tough stuff as as a kid, and um, he eventually sort of reach reaches a breaking point. I don't I don't I really don't know how much to divulge because I don't want to spoil I know. it for anybody. It, it, but he it, it kind of sounds like a yeah. a nice um, mental exercise book where you're really engrossed in what's reality and what's not with this character so that's really cool yeah it's almost like that you know that you know that guy that the guy at the parties who you know does a lot of like lsd and stuff just like sitting down and, and having deep conversations about reality and stuff <laughs> that kind of kind of vibe to it but just a bit more down to earth and a little bit more negative and you know a bit spiteful and a lot of negatives to his personality but yeah it's something crazy happens and he basically <laughs> you know i'm just gonna say it like he he goes into this whole different world that he has no idea about and he doesn't know why he's there or how he got there um and i'm never <laughs> gonna tell anybody how <laughs> That's one of that's one of the things that I'm not gonna say, but it's it yeah, it's it's sort of like a, a dark fantasy slash a little bit harsh on the old reality, I suppose. Um, which is definitely not a tagline that I would ever put on a book. <laughs> that sounds amazing though. I would buy does. that book. That well, sounds like a book I would read. It sounds like some really cool parallels that you can draw from life experiences with autism that you you kind of pull from that which is really cool because i don't think enough people in the general public realize how much the fact that the fluorescent lights are on in this room is affecting the hell out of me but i'm gonna not show you that so that we can have a conversation and then i'm gonna go freak out when i leave the room but you know like (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, there's I, i don't think enough people realize how often uh we're all losing our shit um, yeah, or we can look fine yeah. and we're going like deep in thought in our brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe a... we've got an extreme ability to just hide mm-hmm. absolutely the sense of dread and panic that comes upon us quite exactly. often. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing book, though. That's yeah. one of my goals is to write a book one day, and so mm. but my um, I, I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like um autism related books coming out, but they're always non-fiction they were always about like um autistic people's lives and i feel like there's not enough fiction from the autistic perspective i feel like that's a bit untapped there is this one book that i've i've read and it's pretty much like one of the only fictions that i could only that i could read i'm not much of a fiction guy surprisingly (laughs) um but yeah it's it's called the speed of dark and it's it's about this sort of a dystopian reality where they've found a cure for autism in adults and it's about this this guy called Lou and his sort of navigating around the world taking a bit more of 
sort of an insider's perspective on life and interactions. It's very good. It's a very good read. It's very easy to, I mean, I listen to it on, you know, like a audio book, but it's a really good book. I definitely recommend it. Oh, sounds amazing. It's really cool. It sounds really interesting right there. We'll get yeah. the, we'll get the book name listed in our description too. Cause yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. I forgot the book name. It's called, it's called Blackbird. It was originally called Heartland, um, but there is already a book and a film and pretty much a lot of things called Heartland. I think now a TV series. So I had to change it. So it's called Blackbird. Cool. Well, it's really cool that you're doing that. And I think the fiction angle that you're talking about mm-hmm. really makes it I would assume it actually makes it easier for you in a writing sense. So you're not like this happened to me. You're like, this happened to this character. Does that feel? Yeah. yeah? Or mm. not really. It is sort of cathartic in certain ways. There is definitely aspects of myself in the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think m- more aspects of myself when I was a teenager rather than how I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool and there's a lot there's a lot of things and and hidden sort of um background sort of behind the scenes um thoughts about the book you know and and how the story is going that influence um what happens to him and how he thinks and his experiences and all that very cool that's awesome yeah i'm definitely going to be reading your book when you get it out it's it's really cool (laughs) i'm on chapter three (laughs) <laughs> yeah. oh, three. Awesome. awesome i think too it could be something that more neurotypicals maybe would read um just for the interesting book and then they get sort of a peek inside of what it's like inside yeah. the mind of an autistic I'm, person i'm hoping that it's not going to be plated on the front that it's an autistic book i'm hoping that it's just going to mm-hmm. be a a standalone book that people will read and go oh this this is a bit weird this character is a little bit quirky and then read into it a little bit more and realize that he's autistic. You know, oh, that's the kind of thing that, that I'm going for. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Perfect. Exactly. And then, yeah, exactly. So then they're not, you know, starting off with, oh, I'm not going to read that. I won't relate to anything there. Mm-hmm. And then once they get in, you hit them with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. In the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds awesome. We've asked all these questions to you, and the whole point of our podcast today was actually <laughs> to ask you about your documentary. Yes. So I, we we have so many questions about this yes. because, like, first and foremost, what was the drive behind starting the documentary? Oh well, um, I think there's, I think that you know that, that there's a lot of sources. Of, of drive to, to produce that all sort of congregated together for, to me for me to make this um, firstly I always I was obviously becoming a lot more of an open honest kind of speaker um, from my YouTube and from my podcast and that that sort of gave me a little bit of a sort of um, confidence boost to you know attempt this ridiculous project mm-hmm. well did you get any help like like or no. is this all by yourself it's all by myself I had, oh wow I dude. that's that's intense help with the ethics and the links and my project supervisor helping me contact um people from you know organizations and stuff but it's all filmed by me all the meetings and stuff are organized by me i presented it i interviewed the people 
I did all the lighting, I edited it, I I mastered it with the audio, I put in like animations and stuff and Man. Uh, it was, uh, I think I put about three, upwards of 300 hours in that. It's, it put so much time into this that I don't, I don't know how much time I actually spent, but I definitely didn't spend the recommended 100 hours on it. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe in the filming. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh man! But yeah, Amazing. that's that's really impressive. It really is. Can you tell us a little bit about what the documentary is about? Mm-hmm. So I I I, actually, I did the documentary as part of a science communication project, which is you know you can you can go sort of like the research route that most people take at the end of your degree, uh, but I decided to make it a little bit more relevant. So I decided to do a science communication, and I did a free creative piece, um, which is one of three pieces, <laughs> which was the, oh, wow. the documentary. Um, and most people did like these mini sort of e-learning quizzes that people did, but I just, you know, I just decided to be an idiot and to t- go for this massive project. And <laughs> um, I, a lot more than you, you bargained for it, it sounds like. Oh, definitely. Like, but I think that that's, I always search for that extreme that always search for the the next thing that i shouldn't be able to do and then try and do it and i think I the documentary it. was 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 that for me that's awesome i mean you 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 sound like you're constantly pushing your limits to get the word out and to mm. communicate with others and it's really awesome that you're doing that and you know you actually reached out to us before we even launched our first episode and really have been a great source of encouragement just by your your example so mm-hmm. thank you for that oh, thank you very much yeah thank you yeah no like i mean when I you reach i was coming on here to be flattered hey hey it's a blushing it really is though it's it's great to have a community of people that understand each other because when you talked about yeah. your early diagnosis and the struggles and depression and we relate to that so much and I really appreciate your openness yeah Um, it's gonna be awesome and then this documentary it's like so many people don't understand what autism actually is they get it confused with an intellectual disability and mm. this documentary is so important because it's going to help educate people on the spectrum of autism and those people who aren't in the know and i think it's just it's amazing yeah definitely and and one of one of the sort of major things for me recently was that the the university media um sector actually got in well i got in contact with them and uh you know i I had to sort of with withhold the the full documentary um to a later date because they wanted to do like this big media campaign for me which hopefully is going to allow the documentary to tap into the mainstream media mm-hmm. that's, that's so awesome that's like a big step because that means that what once people are talking about autism there's going to be more opportunities for myself and for other people to you know come and talk about autism exactly. um, I, I wanted to i want to say as well because i didn't really go over much about like the motivation and drive to do it oh, I yeah. Did. Oh, yeah your first question yeah yeah right. yeah yeah <laughs> It's just so interesting. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I think like one of the main motivations for me 
um, was first, firstly the, the Manchester leadership um, module. It gave me a lot more of a sense of, you know, if if I'm not going to push for change and in in society, then who is going to do it? Um, and that that sort of brought to my, you know, mm-hmm. attention to the the, the qualities point. of myself that I like to hold true to, and that gave me a lot of a lot of motivation to to do something um, quite big. And then I think in terms of emotionally and in my life, my my mom, obviously, she's a, she's a massive source of comfort and motivation for me to to push forward in life. She always has been most understanding person, but also the most encouraging person I've ever met. Um, and then, of course, my my granddad, That's who awesome. um, sadly uh, he passed away. He passed away due to lung cancer when I was away in Thailand, and. Um, yeah, it's oh, it really man. sucked because oh, man. sort of sort of like the morning that he passed away, I had like overslept, and I I sort of missed being able to have that sort of last, or at least at a brief part of that last moment with him. But he did. It was on a it was on a lot of like morphine and stuff, and um, he managed to get out. You know, some some things. Mm-hmm. I asked him what he wanted me to do. And he said, stay in Thailand to stay. And he told me to help people, he told me mm-hmm. to learn. And from then on, that has been sort of like my life mission. And it's, it's actually the source of, you know, the reason why I sort of continue on. Because I, I, I have to be honest, like, I don't enjoy... It sounds very morbid and, and dark, but I actually don't enjoy life to to an extent that I would want to sort of con- continue with it personally. And I'm still sort of working on those emotional issues, and hopefully it will change. But my my main motivator to mm-hmm. move forward and and stay around is that I want to help people, and in particular, all these you know autistic children and autistic adults who are quite quite frankly living isolated excluded um very poor mental health lives you know and it's 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 Mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why you know i I get up in the morning whereas you know i might just you know drink myself into an early grave i guess you know (laughs) as to sound as as tame as possible (laughs) No, actually, you're not. You're not wrong at all with this. These feelings. I mean, we we've felt the same way, and we're a very different story than you. Of we both got diagnosed five months ago, and we're we're both almost in our forties. And yeah, the 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 life struggles that we both are still like. I I can't tell you how many days I wake up and I'm just like. I just want to go back to sleep. Like it's just like it's I, so I just I don't do even want to do do anything. It's like and just, you guys have to deal with like a chronic health condition as well. Right? I mean, yeah, it's like an added screen. layer because yeah. <laughs> yeah, being autistic and in pain twenty four seven is like sensory hell. Yeah. So it's really tough. And then being an autistic female, I was diagnosed with every mental health issue under the sun: mm. borderline personality, Spoken. bipolar. 
I mean, just crazy mental health facilities, like blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just on and on and on. And so I had told myself I was crazy. And so just uh, similar to you, once we found out that we're autistic and we're able to lift this burden off of ourselves that had been on us for so long, it was like, I just, we both just want to help other people do that. It became like our mission to help other people to never feel the way that we had to feel. And I totally relate to that. And and your documentary, that's why I think it's so important because when I first even had the idea of autism brought to me, my mind went straight to all of the autistic characters that I've seen on television (laughs) or the kids that I saw in school in the special needs program. And I thought, but I'm not like that. And that's because the stereotypes we see on television are one type of autistic person and there needs to be more information out there that there are so many different types of autistic people it's not just one thing it's like like um, that they they just they only put um kids and adults on there with autism to garner some sort of reputation for themselves or to mm -hmm. you know spot oh this is such a touching moment like you know you're giving joy to this this person's very horrific and and you know unfortunate life and and we're giving them the spotlight and it feels like that's the only reason why uh, you know autistic people are put on the media which is crazy yeah Yeah. it's such a demeaning way of of looking at us as a people right we're like these inspirational stories for like uh i call it inspiration porn for other people Mm. to feel better about their lives and how lucky they are not to be us and it's like ridiculous it's like yeah i think it's inspirational when your brain tries to keep up with mine because (laughs) there are so (laughs) many advantages that i have (laughs) exactly it makes me upset (laughs) it's like (laughs) so many advantages that aren't talked about we do watch this one show i don't know if you've heard of it called the good doctor the good doctor no i haven't heard of it well, it's about an autistic man that has that has savant abilities, and he becomes a neurosurgeon, or I think a surgeon, um, at like a very young age, like one of the youngest surgeons. And it's like fantastic that there's an autistic person on television and all of that. But like the person playing the <laughs> the doctor is neurotypical, yeah, and he overdoes <laughs> his performance constantly. He talks like this right here. I mean, and he just like... Oh, hello. They My just, name. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. And he overdoes it so much. It's like sometimes he'll be like staring off like wide-eyed into space and all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, some of us do that. Yes, and that's absolutely fine. But we don't all do that. I don't sound like that. In fact, any autistic person I've ever met has doesn't sound the way he speaks. And so I think that it's so important i just cannot wait for your documentary to come out this is amazing and you're having all of the support from your university and i mean i think it's just going to snowball into something even bigger so you are doing exactly what you are setting out to do and that is helping so many people you've helped us and you're helping change the stigma around autism by all of the things that you're doing i think it's awesome thank you i appreciate that it's 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 very nice to hear that because i'm not Although, although I, you know, looking at sort of me on paper, um, it, lo- it it does look like I've done a lot, but it never feels like I've done a lot. 
Mm -hmm. I always feel I don't I, I really don't have enough, a lot of confidence in myself and I, I don't yeah. put myself to a very high esteem I guess mm -hmm. and and so it's 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 nice to hear that from people because it's like people would assume that that I suppose that I would feel quite happy in myself and what I've achieved and stuff and um but it's you know it's it's good to hear now and again because gives me a lot of fire to keep going yeah no. well, it is and i think living in a world that is structured around neurotypicals and constantly being told you know that what you have is is flawed or what you are is different i mean it's really hard to feel good about yourself it's really hard to look at your accomplishments sometimes and feel proud because other people sometimes will i don't know look at that differently um, hmm. like, oh, you're autistic and you did that. Oh, that's so special. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's they, just, yeah, definitely. I think I feel there is a, a very different response to, um, people that I email, um, about m my story and when I'm trying to kind of promote myself, especially like d during these past, this past couple of weeks, which I suppose you could count as the promotion side to the documentary, <laughs> which is being, yeah, quite, absolutely. you know, quite, quite stressful and, um, it's very different for people to 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 hear up front that I'm autistic and then go from there rather than mm -hmm. the sort of normal setting you know like in a house parties or or anything like that that I go to um them talking to me first and getting an idea of who I am and then knowing that I'm autistic it's it's mm -hmm. a whole different reaction it's quite it's quite strange in that sense yes I've, I've had someone actually talk to me like I was like a child. Oh, screw time. those people. I hate them so yeah. much. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, that's never happened before. It's <laughs> like, like, oh, they, Jesus. They, they like, it's like you're a kid and they have to be careful and calm with their voice. But they, they, it, it just comes across as the most patronizing load of it, It's arrogant. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's, it's, no, like, no, you're not understanding. I'm not getting... I'm not misunderstanding the situation. You're just not under, you're just not taking on board my side of things, and right. I've had that so many times with people. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it is. It's ridiculous, and more reason why this documentary needs to go mainstream. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like you have no idea. Most of us have higher IQs than you do, so <laughs> you don't have to speak to us like we're, you know, dumb or something. Like I don't, uh, yeah. It's like I said, so many people confuse intellectual disability with autism, and and it's it's different. It's two no, different it's things. It's like the opposite way around, isn't it? It's like if the mm -hmm. world was full of autistic people, and neurotypicals were one to two percent of the population, we could classify that as a mild intellectual disability. Right? Oh my god, we could. <laughs> That's we such could. a great way to put it. <laughs> totally good we can be like they have these strange behaviors they're of, impulsive you know, social hierarchies yes they feel the need to make sure that you look at these your eyes all the time and if they don't <laughs> they get they get put off and think that you're you you don't like them or you're not interested you know all, all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. Yeah, direct eye contact yeah. very direct eye contact I did exactly a, i did like a video on, on it on it recently like it's like a parody it's kind of like the neurotypical syndrome and it is it is mostly comedic and and trying to you know it's trying to be be humor for, for autistic people but it's it's also like it's it's nice to sort of flip 
flip the sides for a little bit to to let other people know how it feels to be autistic mm-hmm. to give them sort of a new perspective on on how we view the world yeah. rather than sort of the opposite way around and it's 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 not like i don't, I don't i'm not you know i don't think neurotypicals are bad i i love neurotypicals <laughs> i think they're great um some neurotypicals are bad some autistic people are are assholes but yeah that's yeah. just people you know person to person you know like i've, I've never had an autistic girlfriend I'm, I'm very happy with with dating neurotypical people like mm-hmm. they bring something to the table for me that i struggle with you know like in terms of executive functioning and um coping with you know sort of social pressures and you know giving me a bit more of a different angle on life and i find that extremely useful and I, you know, I probably know about six autistic people, you know, bar um, Instagram and, and all of the kind of media stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. And they they make up most of my friends. And it's it's not a case of, in that, in that video, that I was trying to, like, bash them and, and call them idiots or anything like that. Right. It's just, <laughs> I, you know, people are people, no, no right. matter whether they're neurotypical or autistic. It's just exactly. different strengths and different weaknesses yeah and sometimes you have to do something like that on the opposite end sort of like a satire just to kind of make people <laughs> yeah, think definitely. you know it's like there's a different perspective out there than yours and you know maybe just planting that seed yeah um, eventually it, changes and i i definitely do think it's funny like so some some like jokes about like autism and, and asperger's can be like absolutely hilarious for me it's, yeah. it's like I don't like get triggered very easily. Like, yeah. if if I hear something that sounds right and it's funny, like fair 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 play, like yeah. that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, we all have to learn to laugh at ourselves because yeah. it's so easy for us to get negative into things for sure. In your documentary, what are like some of the highlights that you talk about that you think are really going to hit home with folks? I think so the the way that I've structured it is that I have two sort of running stories. Um the first is um sort of interviews with autist people on the autistic spectrum um which provides sort of a an introduction to the documentary and an ending and sort of allows autistic people to have insert their own opinions into the storyline instead of making it you know, like every other kind of autism informational or documentary or well, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that that brings in the sort of personal angle to it. And I think about five people, um, very differing opinions, very differing in their sensory profiles, differing in everything, basically. And so I've got, I've, I've got a very, awesome. very wide spectrum <laughs> of people on the spectrum. Um, that, I mean, that's perfect. So yeah. important. Yeah, because, I mean, do you have enough of a contrast, you, you feel like, between those people where it's like no one's going to be like, oh, person oh. A and person number five is not at all the same, and wait a minute, this changes my view on autism in general. Definitely. Like, there's, there's nice. particularly one one guy is my friend called uh, Adam, and he, you know, in, in his opinion... Um, being autistic hasn't held him back in any sort of 
way or else. He doesn't feel like there's much differences between autistic people and neurotypical people. And then on the other side of things, we've got someone who's very um, um, involved within the sort of autism advocacy and rights and stuff and has some very strong opinions about it. And then you've got, you know, everyone in the middle who, um, you know, some, some of them are a little bit older, so they have more of a well-informed, well-constructed opinion on it. And then you've got some people who are a bit younger who give, you know, their their opinions on things um, in terms of their like age bracket and stuff. Um, That's awesome. I, I love that. But I just, yeah, I, I, I inserted those, those interviews as, as part of it just to make sure that I get that autistic angle to it. Um, but the main storyline is is sort of going up in, so I describe it as going up in intensity, I guess. I start with um, my taekwondo instructor that I that I interviewed, and um, see he trains people with autism, whether it's sort of like classic autism or Asperger's, and a lot of neurotypical people. So he has a, a good awareness of um, getting into the business of, of teaching individuals and sort of learning about the, you know, about autism and about like ADHD and stuff. So he has more of a transitory um, story to tell. So it sort of brings in people at the start of the documentary who perhaps don't have a good um, understanding of, of autism or, or the sort of traits and stuff. And then it sort of scales up into the next one which is my mom who who has a, a very big glamorous title and role within the uh, special needs sector and she talks about um, her experience with um, autistic children in mainstream schools uh, the sort of lacking in uh, mental health support for autistic adults lack of policies all of that kind of stuff and then we go to the sort of the you know the the end point which is a guy called Peter Bainbridge um, who runs the charity um, Salford Autism and he talks about his experiences mediating between autistic adults and associations or the police and he's, he's sort of that mediating figure so he understands a lot more about the lives of autistic people when they're in adulthood so it, it basically all of it just covers as much of the ground that I wanted it to cover um, and I feel like it is a, a well sort of um, a well covered subject. Like it's it's not like too deep that people who don't understand autism can't understand, and it's not too sort of um, transitory or you know introductory that you know it's not really bringing anything else to the table. Mm-hmm. That know? makes sense. I love that. And it's the biggest thing is I love that it's representing the spectrum of autism. Definitely. Not one thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Layout that you have and you're really guiding people to see all the different sides is huge. You mentioned to me that it was a lot of time at editing and putting all, all this together. But something I was curious about did you have such time constraints or something like that where you maybe have some of your best parts on the editing floor just out of continuity or yeah so uh, there there is this when i was so i I started off the documentary having absolutely no 
pretty much beginner level editing and audio editing skills. So I had to teach myself um, all of that stuff. And I did that during the first semester when I was writing my literature review, which, you know, this, this documentary isn't like a standalone project. It's, it's a follow-up to um, an actual piece of literature review that I've done for the university with all oh, references wow. and all of that kind of stuff and the stats. And um, so, yeah, I did that in, in the first year, got all the ethics out of the way. And then I guess there, there was a lot for me to do. It's final year. It's a really big waiting on your marks. So I had to revise and, you know, do extra further reading um, for three other modules, which were quite... Um, advanced they're quite far into the course and then also juggle um, the documentary on my youtube channel on the side and my taekwondo <laughs> and um, podcast <laughs> and pod well yeah and podcast i think i started doing the podcast um after i filmed it all but oh that's good so but you yeah. got that out of the way it was it's, a lot so it was, it was really a, a huge effort like would you say it took you over a year or two or what was the whole amount of time in years or mm. would you say I, th I think I think well obviously I, I spent the majority of the time during the second semester sort of putting it together frantically and it wasn't really a, a publishable quality and I wanted to do a bit more learning and I wanted to tweak and, and edit things out um, enough for it to be a good story and there's kind of like this media lingo that goes about called killing your darlings. And that basically means cutting out things that are really good, but not necessarily needed for the story. Oh, that, that that was a hard process for me. And I couldn't really do that in my second semester because I was very emotionally attached to it because of all the work that I was putting into it. Oh, that and makes a lot of sense. So difficult. So <laughs> would, you, would you say you, you're... If you had to guess, the amount of time the documentary would be if you had all of your darlings and then the map, the what it actually ended up being. You got any rough guess of what that would be? Yeah, I think it's probably be about 10 minutes more. Oh, okay. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but in actual speaking, um, in actual like watching the, the documentary, it is a long time, like a lot of stuff to cut out. Um, oh, absolutely. Especially since I already sort of minorly did that in the second semester. It's only until now um, that, you know, all this, this COVID things happened that I picked up the documentary and decided to run with it. I thought it'd be a good time to, um, to do because obviously my routine was just out the window, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, that was a big source of routine for me and yeah my my girlfriend's probably um, been a massive help with that being understanding of me not being able to switch off and spending hours and hours at, at night time and you know stressing out about it constantly she's been a, a massive um, help for me through this process but yeah for the past three weeks and actually this week as well if you include the promotion I've you know been trying to finalize it and make it as good as possible with the equipment that was available to me, which is not very much. Yeah, that I, mean, I don't think the general public realizes this, but 
I know just from the audio editing that we've done on our podcast, uh, we have hour long episodes and that will take us six to 10 hours of editing just to the nuances. And I, I, I really appreciate you explaining like your struggles with this because I think not enough people understand that 30 minute piece that you are watching or whatever uh, your documentary length of time is. I think a lot of people don't understand that that was what six months of your life that you've put into really crafting this and having it make sense so that everyone can understand it, you know? Yeah. People only see the, the tip of the iceberg with things and that's something that I've had to sort of get, get into my head. You know, people see the the finished product or the, the gold medal or the or anything like that, the, the, the podcast that goes out, but nobody sees uh, the constant bouts of panic and meltdowns and depression and mm-hmm. trying to build up from build up skills from nothing in a very short amount of time and juggle all the other stuff it's it's uh it's it, it it's tiring for me to think about it and it was absolutely awful <laughs> it was not a good idea i don't recommend anybody do it do not do it to, at least do not produce something that, that at that length and expect to like with no like no prior skills or anything like that it's, oh, it's, what i don't know what i was thinking but you know it's, it's done now you you were thinking people needed to know the truth and yeah understand your point of view with autism and we really thank you for putting in that kind of work because there's so many people that go nonverbal with just one instance of connecting with people and we need more people to understand that just because we don't communicate or say or look you in the eye it doesn't mean we aren't intelligent capable and useful in society it's just we're different and I think the way you explained your documentary sounds like you're really getting that point across. I'm trying to. It's it's hard to, especially in such a short period of time. Um, I'm hoping to put out some um, sort of supplementary um, stuff. You know, maybe include some of the longer um, sort of uncut documentary yeah. interviews. Um, I'm going to have someone. Uh, called esme coming on the podcast to talk about a topic <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of stuff coming out that i've written more blog posts and testimonials than uh, one can handle in, in the past week um just to sort of get it out there as much as possible and it's it's been tough but as i said like this is this is my m- moment to put all on the line put it all on the line set up a website put money into advertising try and get it out there in this big attempt to open up the world to what autism is and what autism needs yeah and hopefully it's it's gonna make a change yeah and it's the perfect time everyone is sort of um you know forced (laughs) 
inside <laughs> trying to find things to watch and <laughs> learn and open to new experiences and hobbies and everything now with the um, isolation. So it's the perfect time for a documentary to drop. <laughs> yes, um, when, absolutely. When does, when is the official the day? The official day is the 6th of May on a Wednesday <laughs> at 6 p.m. on UK time, right. which I think um, America... I, I think I don't know because I know that in in America you have different time zones for different states, don't you? Which is kind of mm-hmm. quite yeah, difficult. I think yeah. you're about five hours behind. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it'd be like 11 p.m. for us yeah. in the Eastern mm-hmm. time zone, and we will definitely post that in the description for for people and and link to your your youtube eleven a.m. Right? Oh, 11, oh, 11 a.m. yeah he said p.m. oh, oh okay <laughs> it's okay i'm sorry it, 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 we will definitely have that correct in the description um <laughs> but yeah no uh it'll be on your youtube channel right like, i'll be is... growth okay cool. youtube channel and there's there's a lot of like, behind awesome. the scenes stuff of you know i mean sort of informing people of, of how, how the promotion's going and the editing and all that um, on my social medias as, as well, which is, you know, just basically Asperger's growth for everything. It's quite easy to find me mm-hmm. on stuff. Nice. Yeah. It... <laughs> Managed to catch those names as quick as possible. Exactly. It, you, you, you've got a great name with Asperger's growth and your podcast of Thoughty Audi. It's, it's a really... Super catchy. <laughs> Super catchy, exactly. Yeah, I know, but I had this thought that most autistic people say, like, spell it as A-U-T-I-E, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And I, I don't... Yeah, I know, and it sucks. <laughs> well, I you can't change it. That. It just doesn't look as good no. on paper. <laughs> see, oh, no. see, for me, instead of... I didn't thinking... catch that, honestly, and I'm, like, a grammar, like, you know, person, and, like, catch everything, and I didn't catch that. So. Yeah. And, and I'm not a grammar person at all, but what the way I looked at it was like, oh, like Audi, like the car, but then autistic, like it, I, I thought it was cool. Like I thought the way you spelled it was perfect. So, you know, everyone has their different opinions. Like a little bit of, like a little bit of, um, uh, word, um, spaghetti. Yeah. That's not the right word. Yeah. <laughs> 40 Audi. <laughs> yeah. It's um, catchy. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about all of the things that you have accomplished and things that you're doing right now. And what a lot of people don't realize is there are things that autistic people deal with that a lot of people don't understand. And unfortunately, autism can come with depression and it can come with mood disorders and different um, mental illnesses, which makes doing things like this even more difficult. Can you talk about how um, you were able to finish some of these projects and some of the mental health issues that you deal with? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I was, when, when I was, you know, diagnosed, it was it was just sort of like a blank, you know, uh, major depressive disorder um, with generals, generalized anxiety. Same. Um, which is mm-hmm. kind of sort of like the, the bog standard <laughs> sort of mood disorders that people are aware of, I guess. Um, but I was also diagnosed with these these two dissociative conditions, which actually caused a lot of problems for me um, when I was a child. Because you know, you know, when you when you growing up, when the way that we sort of orient orientate ourselves in the world is by understanding rather than feeling mm-hmm. 
I'd say I'd say to a to a large degree, or at least maybe for me. And I relate to that though. I, mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And this uh, these two disorders were were called depersonalization and derealization. And depersonalization basically just means that you feel like you are living life through a TV screen, or you feel like you're watching yourself. Um, from a third person view it's not like literally you're watching yourself from a third person view it's you don't feel as much of an identity with what you're saying or Hmm. what's happening to you or you know what what you're doing in an interaction with someone else um and that that's quite scary and and difficult to understand and and describe um you know, even just considering I was struggling to understand what, you know, the differences between anxiety and anger were, um, apart from the sort of logical definitions um, at that age. And then you've also got the aspect of derealization, which it, it basically, it just means you feel like you're in a dream all the time. And mm. it doesn't matter what happens to you on or what occurs you, you feel like none of nothing's real and mm. that that combination of of diagnoses or the, those experiences that i had um made it really tough it, it, i couldn't navigate i couldn't understand what was happening to me and i went through all these trails of of thinking I had certain disorders, like I thought I had multiple personalities because some days I was acting a certain way and felt a certain way. And then on, on the flip flip side, you know, an hour later I could be a different person in in my understanding of things, which would, I was basically just going through different moods. Um, mm-hmm. But because I needed... Um, a concrete way of explaining it that made sense to me. I, I sort of settled for these multiple personalities, which is a little bit embarrassing to talk about. Um, it's all Sorry in the to hear future, that. But it's, yeah. yeah, it was it was tough. Like <laughs> the the mental health side of things is always difficult. I mean, just yeah. by its definition. You know, it's it is mental pain and and torture, and it's it's like having you know a rain cloud that follows you every everywhere, mm-hmm. and then you know that interacts with the anxiety and the things that help your anxiety make your depression worse, and the things that help your depression make your anxiety worse. Yeah. Oh, it so does. true. It mm-hmm. It's a vicious cycle, and it's it really is. tough. Yeah. Well, yeah, that like they're described on their own as a vicious cycle, but together. They are just one spiraling mess of shite. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's just rubbish. It's mm-hmm. horrible. And then yeah. you've got the aspect of being autistic and, and being a teenager and not feeling like you're in your own body and not feeling like anything that's going on around you is real. So it's 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 easy to see why um, I sort of took quite a, a downward spiral and throughout my life i i took very much to escapism that was pretty much the only thing that i did um to cope with it i couldn't 
I couldn't do CBT. Therapist didn't get me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. express or, or understand myself. So I just took to getting on with life, ignoring it, having too much sugar, you know, maybe maybe drinking a little bit too much on a, on a regular occasion. Um, a lot of stuff to try and escape the feelings that I was having. And it's, it's hard, hard to hold on to life when you don't feel like you're a part of life and you don't feel like life exists. Um, and it, I but, think, sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's, but it's through such a strength in you sharing this and sh- doing the mediums that you're doing with social media, YouTube, podcasts, documentary, like you're, you're really helping so many people understand not just the the basics of autism but also you're going into the mental health aspect in such a deep and uh real personal way and it's Mm -hmm. it's really awesome to see what you've done already and uh yeah i relate to so much that you just said because i've i've dealt with um mental health um issues my entire life and you know it's, it's really tough, but for a person to have all of those issues and still choose to get up each and every day and continue going, that is, that's strength. It so is. It's, it's another thing that's very impressive. Pain into power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's my motto. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anything else yeah. that you would like to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, I think like sort so of one of the sort of, um, points that I had I mean like that that was sort of a description of my my mental health when I was younger and obviously I've got a bit more of a um, stoic sort of mindset on all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. nowadays but I, I I used to have <laughs> I used to have a lot of like existential crisis um, moments where you know like you've read about if you've read about like philosophers who um basically became homeless and just decided that nothing that was going on around them was real and they couldn't prove that it was real. Um, I had a lot of those moments where I was, not moments, I mean, extended periods of time where I was isolated and constantly thinking and panicking. And Same. I, I, I actually, had, I, unbeknownst to me, I actually developed the, the mindset of a, a nihilist hmm. and I only, I only, sort of recently in my in my third year at university realized what nihilism was and I was like I read it and I've been going on this whole sort of writing journey into trying to understand life and myself and I got to this core concept of of nihilism without ever reading about it and like it's it's a massive part of me um, I'm a little bit more positive than I was than I was when I was yeah. in my third year. And you can, you can a little understand. bit more stoic. Yes. I, I tend to take the humor route rather than the deep, dark, depressing, negative route nowadays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that the biggest turning point for my mental health was um, going to see a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Um, it was only one session but it, it made a massive difference to me. That's huge. And I went and I talked about my experiences and my, my life and my nihilism and all that kind of stuff. And I asked him what, what he thought. 
and he told me that I have very severe depression. And I have never been told that. Mm-hmm. So throughout, throughout my life, I, I've just been given the label of depression. And it's, 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 it was extremely life-affirming to be told that someone agrees with me. Yeah. You know, yeah, the psychologist agrees with me. Yeah, I completely relate to that. It's like validation is so important, and especially from a professional, not from like your cousin down the street. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> when, the cat down the yeah, road. <laughs> when a professional validated a lot of these things for me, it was it was what I needed to hear. It, yeah, gives you gives you a sense of knowing where you're at, exactly. where you can go from that. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and. To also hear not just depression, but I'm sure with how intense you were feeling everything for the professional to say severe depression, it kind of uh, did get your attention a little bit more because they were like, oh no, this isn't just depression. This is more than what you're thinking it is. Yeah. Because it's it's crazy because I I would never been, I've never been treated like I have severe depression. Mm. Um, I you know it it only took that one person to go hey you know what all of these sort of pre um meeting assessments that you're doing where you're scoring about 40 34 out of 35 on the depression scale you know what th- th- those are right and i agree with you never been t- never been told that never never was never told that until that one one person told me and i was like thank god like i'm not just a wriggling mess of emotions and and feeling sorry for myself it's it's a genuine thing right exactly it's uh, yeah also for me it was being able to let go of like it's not my fault i mean i I kind of would blame myself like i like i had some choice and i could just choose to be happy and i just wasn't and that's not the case (laughs) naturally like it's not something that you can control mm-hmm. and although it's it's not all genetic it's it's a large part genetic and it's also your life experiences right. and you you don't have control over either of those <laughs> yeah exactly add to that being autistic in a world that is not built mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's like no wonder we yeah. have higher rates of depression and suicide yeah yeah totally and that's not by about seven eight nine times higher yeah, uh, I, I mean, just to, to be, I, I was, when I was 15, I tried to kill myself and was in a mental health facility for teens. And oh, I just so didn't, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I didn't want to live anymore because I didn't know why I was broken. I just felt like I was broken and I had no idea why and no real help and no one actually telling me why. It was always just. Mm. You know, you're crazy. Mm, tell <laughs> so, me more. Tell me more about you. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so it was it was kind of an eye opening experience as well to go somewhere like that and, and see other people who had were also in the same situation. And I remember it was really strange because when I was in the facility, the um the other people there my age, they thought that I was one of the counselors. And um <laughs> Yeah. They thought I was no one of the counselors. Yeah, because I was so like, so much more calm and, and coherent than everyone Put else. together. Yeah. And it was just like, mm. because I, I switched, you know, it was like I could, I could mask and I was a, a professional at pretending I was okay when I wasn't. And um, so, and a lot of people so, there 
couldn't do that. And so um, it was kind of an eye-opening experience to um, to see that and, and kind of be evaluated and, and see other people and then taking that experience that's made that something I, I feel very strongly about um, is, is helping people who were at the place that I was at and, and tell them that it's okay and um, try to make them understand. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the, um, the rates are extremely high for autistic people. And yeah, and I'm, I'm really lucky that, that I lived. <laughs> so, um, because I feel like we go through these experiences and we go through these tough times and then it, it says a lot about us that we can come out on the other side and then say, you know what, I want to help someone that, you know, was me. And um, yeah. I think that's yeah. all what we're trying to do. And I think it's really awesome. Banning together. Yes. Yes. Helping the message out. Yeah. Helping the people that don't know whether they're neurotypical or neurodivergent to know you've got people in your corner that you haven't even met yet. Because, I mean, like I said, dude, when you reached out to me, we were just getting the podcast started. Like, we hadn't even done our first episode. And to be like, oh, wait, we're going to be guests on someone else's podcast, too? It just, that kind of support, man, was so much encouragement. You you just have no idea. And that's the kind of things that we need to encourage each other on is, like, there's more that we can do together than we could ever do by ourselves. Yeah. And then, and being honest and vulnerable about our situations also yeah. help people to see that, yeah, we're, we have a podcast, we have these, you know, Instagram pages and all this content and we look like we have it together, which in a sense we do, but like we still struggle and we're still human. The first yeah. time that we po- posted our podcast episode, I cried and had a panic attack. So yeah. <laughs> I was like almost every time I make a post or something I've written, um, I freak out because it's like the self doubt creeps in and, um, and yeah, it's like you said earlier, it's like on the outside, people think one way, but on the inside, we still struggle as well and, and view ourselves in certain ways that are contradictory to what people might think. And, um, and the fact that we're honest about that, I think helps people to realize that, we're all just trying to get through life. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. We're just all it. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Why are we why are we sat here in front of a computer with a microphone talking to people in a structured format? I don't know. Why are people listening to me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think I think the great thing is is that if if anybody anybody who's like listening to this, like wanted some help or wanting to talk or ask a question anybody in the autistic community like that the autistic community is is the most open like group of people i've ever met in my life oh yeah you can get some youtubers who have about six thousand subscribers they won't even give you any slice of attention because you know that that they're not interested, but you <laughs> yeah. can go up to people like, like Dan Jones from the Aspie world who has about over 120,000 subscribers and he just talks to you like he, he's just another person. Yeah. You're just chatting to him. Like yeah. it's, yep. it's mad. Yeah. And that's from everybody, from everybody with a small following to a medium to a large, to a massive, like 
it's it's weird that autism is classed as as having social difficulties because to me from ex- experience having conversations with people in real life and and on instagram and on podcasts and all that sorry medication time. i feel like you know we, we are the most socially inclusive group like out there it's yeah. mad we definitely are. It's mad. It's like well, when we first found out that we were autistic and then started following all these autism accounts and interacting with all of these people, it was like, it was almost like this belonging that I had never felt before. Um, because I'm an open book and sometimes in the real world, being an open book would get me in trouble. And um, mm-hmm. so I sort of learned to kind of close off a little bit but then at the same time if i would see someone else struggling or if i would see someone who i felt was similar to me um because i knew the pain of exclusion it made me never want another person to ever feel like that so i will go out of my way to help someone else because i know how it feels when when you don't get that acknowledgement or that help when you need it and so yeah the autism community has just been insanely helpful and you're right it's like i've never had so many deep conversations with with people on this level that i relate to in my entire life it was just like having this entire world opened up to us yeah it makes you feel like you're actually a part of the world yeah don't know yeah Yeah. it's weird it's It's very surreal yeah it's a lot i imagine it's more surreal for you guys considering you've gone such a such a long time not having that absolutely really difficult yeah yeah it was like um we were just sort of we got to the point where we kind of embraced that we were just the quirky weirdos you know and we were just different and that's fine and we're just shit at friendships and whatever and then um, we found this autism community and it was like, wait a minute, I'm not shit at friendships. I've just been viewing friendships in the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. I have to view it in a way that works for me, which is um, I prefer more online friendships to in real life. And the people that are my friends in real life are very few and far between. And there is nothing wrong with that. And um, people sometimes would give me shit for that, but it's like, um, now, yeah. now everyone's doing that. Like, yeah. We all don't have a choice. <laughs> right. it's like... Exactly, that's true. And I meet other people who feel the same way, and they don't give me like uh, any problems because I don't want to talk on the phone or whatever. I mean, so yeah, it was just like mm. this secret club that we had no idea we were a part of, and then all of a sudden we had access. <laughs> it's just like amazing. Wow, that is awesome. I feel that. I feel that to my core. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I th- I think yeah, I think yeah, we're maybe. at a good spot. I mean, we we've, we've got mm-hmm. plenty of material, e- even if we chop up my first thirty minutes of <laughs> stumbling. I, You're I think we got plenty. Hey, you you nice. brought it back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I I don't think they're darlings. I think they're Huberts or something. Uh, <laughs> I don't like them. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and thank you for coming on. Uh, I really, we both really appreciate your time and info dumping about your your interests <laughs> and your documentary and your personal uh life it's really been an honor to spend this time with you and and explore autism in a very deep way and we really appreciate it yeah, we i had so a lot of fun for... i would do it yeah. even if we weren't doing a podcast like yes, yes exactly <laughs> Same. we need to like we need to like actually sort something out to do outside of um 
podcasting and, and social media stuff. I'm so yeah. bad. I'm so bad at organizing. Like I, I'm, I'm so sorry with that. Like D and D thing. Like I actually really wanted to do it, but I just find group chats just too overwhelming for me. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, don't worry. It disintegrated. Yeah, it you don't like, even have to worry about it. Everybody had like it happened twice, and then everyone just fell off. Yeah. And not even tw- twice in the same week. It was like one week, yeah. then no one for one week, and then yeah, it was. <laughs> we felt really bad because it yeah. wasn't it wasn't our idea. Like someone else was kind of putting it together, and then it just sort of fizzled out. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good idea. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, glad. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for all that you do for our community and um, you know helping educate everyone. And we really appreciate you coming on our show today. And I hope that your documentary is widely accepted and um is very successful but you know what i mean regardless of what happens it's amazing and it's going to be out there forever and i think that it's really awesome what you're doing and we thank you so much for your time thank you like genuinely thank you like it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys thomas uh just for everyone to know can you tell us where people can find you and what you would like to promote yeah sure so Obviously, there's the Asperger's Growth Channel, which is my sort of main page. Um, you can find that on YouTube. And then you've got my social media links for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Asperger's Growth for all of them. 40 Oti Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And then there is a soon-to-be-coming-out landing page or website for the Asperger's in Society documentary. And that will be up soon at Asperger's in society.com awesome we look forward to all of that and what amazing things you have to come in the future i'm absolutely terrified (laughs) (laughs) you're doing great man and we're we're here for you and thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and thank you everyone for listening and yeah have a good day thank you for listening to us Drink your water. Yeah, drink some water. Get those chat clips, some moisturization. Yes. Yes, moisturize. Final word from Asperger's Growth. Make sure to drink your water and moisturize after every shower. Or actually, in any sort of scenario. Um, Because autistic people are always dehydrated and I have to cut out so many lip smacks. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Get yourself, get yourself hydrated. Get yourself some good old H two O. Rub a bit of lip balm on those lips, and get ready for uh, talking on the podcast.